0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to The Change-Up, episode three. Again, doing it from home because we're in quarantine. I am Owen Holmgren, joined again by Taylor West, Teddy Conover, and today we have a very special guest, Gilman alum, class of 85, former GM and president of the Cleveland Indians, and current CEO and president of the Toronto Blue Jays, Mr. Mark Shapiro. Thank you for joining us, Mr. Shapiro.
1: Thanks, Owen. You can call me Mark. Good to be with you guys. (laughs) All right.
0: So the first couple questions we have are um, about this current state that we're in right now. Uh, first of all, how have you been spending your quarantine? How have you, how have you and your family been doing?
1: It's been, uh, it's been bizarre, you know. Baseball is obviously a very routine life, and this is my 29th year in the game. And despite some uh, circumstances that have obviously dealing with strikes and labor issues and 9/11, nothing ever like this, right? You know, one day you're March 14th playing in a spring training game, and two days later you know, your wheels up, flying back in and sheltering in your home in Toronto and uh, a complete and total interruption of everything that you expected to come. So uh, I still feel incredibly fortunate on a daily basis uh, um, that we're <clears throat> compared to, you know, tens of millions of people, you know, over 30 million people that's still working. And uh, But I, you know, I miss the thing that I love, you know, I miss baseball and the bulk of my time and days are spent uh, scenario planning and not dealing with the things you know that day-to-day give me kind of the juice and the drive to move on and I've got you know <clears throat> kids that are largely your age a son that a junior at Upper Canada College which is a, a prep school up here uh, and a daughter who's a freshman uh, at Greenwood College which is a uh, you know co-ed uh, private school here so they're they're dealing with all the same things you guys are dealing with and my son, uh, including dealing with a lack of baseball, both playing uh, as well as watching.
0: Mm -hmm. And that kind of leads me into my next question. Obviously, this was all kind of such an abrupt stop to what we're used to seeing. So what do you think, what are your current thoughts on the state of baseball right now? And do you see us having any type of MLB baseball in 2020?
1: Yeah, you know, I try to focus on what I can control, and I'm spending a lot of time at certainly at the league level thinking about what baseball could look like. But you know, there's just a hierarchy of things that have to happen. The first of which has to be an agreement between uh, the MLBPA, the Players Union, Players Association, and 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 the owners. Uh, I'm privy and certainly in the loop as to how those conversations go, but. You know, I'm I'm not an owner and I'm not a player, so they have to agree upon the circumstances. I certainly would hope that the desire to have baseball return this year can overcome any differences and perspectives, either historical or current, because I think it's important for the game and it's important for the role that baseball has historically played in kind of returning to normalcy and bringing back some some sense of kind of hope and. Uh, as to what normal life uh, could be. Baseball can certainly play a role in that.
2: All right. So, uh, Mark, you graduated from uh, Gilman in 1985, b- back in the normal times after uh, playing first base for um, for the baseball team there. Uh, what are some of your favorite Gilman baseball <laughs> memories?
1: Gilman baseball memories? I mean, I I was a football player playing baseball. You know, I was 275 pounds. My nickname was Boo. So for the Oriole fans out there that uh, that remember really old school O's, you know, I was uh, I was a very large guy with red red curly hair, and uh, you know, pretty immobile with a dead pole hitter, and I definitely looked like a football player playing baseball. But beneath that body was a kid that played baseball, you know, uh, my entire life, little league in Baltimore all the way up, and baseball was a part of the fabric of my childhood and the bond with my dad. Um, I grew up going to Oriole games from the time I can remember Um, sitting in third base seats watching Brooks Robinson the end of his career and then um, you know certainly had my uh, hopes dashed in 1979 by that team and then you know all to to win a World Series in 83. So um, it that that kind of how I feel about the Orioles changed since 1992, since I worked in the game, that those kind of things go away. But when I see an Oriole uniform I'm like the one you're wearing when I'm back in Baltimore to play the O's, you know, the Orioles are so kind of the root of my love for the game. And, you know, Gilman uh, baseball was certainly a chance to play at a high school level, which was great for me.
2: Yeah, for sure. And uh, when when you were at Gilman, did you know you wanted to be involved in the world of sports, especially like the business side of things like you are now?
1: No, I think that's probably a stretch. I was one of those guys that uh, that probably even graduated college not being certain what I wanted to do. Um, hopefully that's encouraging to those to those guys out there that aren't certain of what they want to do in life. I knew I was passionate about baseball. <clears throat> I knew that I had an incredible opportunity to grow up not just around the game, but in my <clears throat> my high school years at Gilman, around players, um, because my dad started to move from just being a fan to representing players after he helped Brooks Robinson out of bankruptcy, and um, so baseball, you know, was not just a my bond with my dad, but like great great Oriole players, and then other players in the league started to kind of filter into my life and and kind of set the standards and expectations for what. You know, true professionals and championship players look like. And, uh, you know, I think as I started this search for what best could be a combination of business and passion for me, baseball was a place I kept coming back to because of my dad.
2: So, so you were born outside of Boston, am I correct?
1: I was born in Boston when my dad was in law school at Harvard. And then he got a clerkship. He got a clerkship in Baltimore, and they moved to Baltimore when I think I was less than two years old.
2: So, so there was no allegiance to the Red Sox
1: at all? Was Not there? at all. My brother lives there now. He's got, uh, you know, two <clears throat> junior high and high school kids, boys that are the only boys in all of Boston that wore Cleveland Indian gear for a very long time and now wore Toronto Blue, wear Toronto Blue Junior. But no, the Red Sox, uh, my dad actually worked in the grounds crew of the Red Sox when he was in law school. So that was, that, there was that allegiance. But no, I was an O's fan. No, no division of uh, loyalty. goes through and through. Until I started working in the game, there was never a question.
2: Yeah, I know. Uh, I have a, I have actually a friend who worked on the Red Sox grounds crew when they won the World Series, and he got his, he got his ring, and he's yeah. got things representing the World Series. He seemed like he had a great time um, at Fenway. I mean, it seems like everybody
1: awesome has a great time when you win a World Series.
2: That's cool. <laughs> um, so. So, you're the president and CEO of the Blue Jays. Can, can you explain the difference between the president and CEO and the GM position?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I did the GM job for nine years in Cleveland. Um, <clears throat> basically, GM, you're overseeing the entire baseball organization from top to bottom, which a casual fan would just associate with the 25 guys in the Major League team and the coaching staff and everybody else that's in the clubhouse. In reality, that's just kind of the tip of the spear um really the baseball operations jobs about identification of talent acquisition of talent development of talent and then building or deploying players to make a major league team so identification is scouting amateur level international level professional level acquisition is decision sciences and analytics or how you frame decisions that can be through the draft trades, free agent acquisitions and development is kind of the unique aspect of baseball compared to other professional sports because there's a player development system that is somewhere between seven and nine minor league teams, which you kind of progress guys through just like a curriculum of a school, um, helping them reach their potential mentally, physically and fundamentally. So as a GM, I would oversee all of that. Uh, As a club president, I that is accountable to me, so the GM reports into me, but I also oversee the business side, and the business side is conventional things that you would expect, um, like you know building operations, marketing, sales, communications, community relations. But in the case of the Blue Jays, because we have a corporate owner, Uh, what's pretty unique is I get to represent ownership within MLB. And so I am the person that goes and represents the Blue Jays at league meetings, sit on a few committees, the competition committee and the long range planning committee. Um, And I have a seat at the table when it comes to kind of thinking about the long term future of the game um, and what that might look like, which has been a great, you know, great opportunity for me to learn and grow.
2: Awesome. So, I mean, the Blue Jays probably have one of the best futures in the league coming up with – you had guys last year, Bo Bichette, Vlad Guerrero Jr., Cavan Vigio, I mean, really, like, studs out there on the field. Are, are you, like – how excited are you to see your team, you know, kind of, you know, kind of take the next step in a pretty tough division?
1: Yeah, really tough division, you know, from two behemoths like the Red Sox and Yankees to – an extremely well-run, maybe the best-run team in baseball in the Rays and certainly the Orioles who are trying to build the right way now. Um, it, it, uh, it it was the hardest thing when the season, kind of got interrupted, you know, like the, to see the belief in Bo Bichette, Kevin Vigio, Vladdy, Danny Jansen, you know, mixed in with some of the veterans we had, adding Jin Ryu over the winter and, uh, and numerous other guys to, to kind of feel... Uh, the level of belief that those guys had and to know that, you know, their expectations were not just that we were going to take the next step in rebuilding, but they expected to win this year. Um, Great things can happen sometimes when players have that level of belief in themselves and in each other as teammates. Uh, We kind of felt like we were on the verge of some really exciting times. And you're right, like having good young talent in a robust market like Toronto is a good recipe for kind of taking those next steps to build a championship future. So uh, I still feel like when we resume, you know, in the next, you know, one to three years, we're going to have some really exciting baseball ahead of us because of how young and how talented we are and hopefully have the capability to supplement that that core as well.
2: Something that uh, stands out, uh, you know, in your career as a um, executive is the, uh, the two thousand five two thousand seven Sporting News Executive of the Year. What do you think were the the keys to both of those uh, great honors?
1: Well, I mean, I think those honors, while they're individual honors, are just a reflection of kind of a, an organizational achievement, right? One person doesn't do all those things, you know. One person helps to empower other people and align other people and kind of create a culture and environment where people understand how important they are to contributing to collective success. But those teams, when I reflect upon those teams, it was turning over, uh, completely turning over a roster that for eight straight years was dominant in baseball almost was winning two American League championships and won a ton of games. And then saying, like, the residual effect of that was farm system was running out of talent. We traded a ton of great players. The city of Cleveland was struggling. LeBron went to the Cavs, which made them an immediate factor. The Browns came back after having been gone or leaving to go to Baltimore. Um, And so our place in baseball went from a top five team to a bottom five team. And we had to reinvent and reconsider and rethink the entire way we did those jobs I talked about, identifying, acquiring talent, developing talent. So those teams were a reflection, not just of, you know, they won a lot of games, so so we got recognized and I got honored. They were a reflection of an incredibly collaborative effort from an entire organization of scouts, player development staff, coaches, you know, trainers, strength coaches, mental skills coaches, front office guys um, that believed something no one else believed, that we could be great again with, you know, a third of the resources that we had in the mid-90s. Uh, and the players on those teams from, you know, Grady Sizemore, Victor Martinez, Cliff Lee, C.C. Sabathia, you know, were not just talented players, but great guys too. So they, we won not just with one with character as well. Um, so anyway, that, uh, you know, that to me was something that, that stands out from that time.
2: And I, and I know one of the things that's quite amazing about the Blue Jays is, so in 2016, you guys had kind of that big four. You had Donaldson, Batista, and Carnacion, and Tuwowitsky. And it's been pretty crazy to see how quickly you guys have been able to kind of reinvent those. Like right now, you have three really good young guys and probably a lot more in the minors. I mean, how, when you were in that kind of transition phase, were you thinking, like, huh, I've got to do it all again, like I did in Cleveland?
1: I mean, I knew coming in that the the roster here which was an aging roster, you know, and, and the farm system was not very deep in talent. So I knew that presented a lot of challenges, but I felt like there was unbelievable upside, not just from the market, from being the only team in the entire country, which is pretty incredible to consider, but also because... There was a lot of opportunity to modernize the systems here, to build out a more modern player development system, to think about decision-making in a more data-driven and informed way, um, and to build out a lot of the business, uh, you know, business kind of infrastructure as well. So building out infrastructure, transforming a culture, those are things I enjoy doing, and those lead to sustainable championship play. So we enjoyed 16, 15 was magical for this city. Before I got here, but it was pretty clear that we were not going to be able to keep that window open too long, just because of the age of our best players and the nature of the reality that players age. They ultimately, at some point, decline. You know, you don't know exactly when it's going to happen, um, but they were, you know, those guys were defining the odds already with how they were performing at like, you know, years where most guys are out of the game or well past their prime.
0: So I recently watched the movie um, Moneyball for the first time. Um, and I noticed that you were actually a character in Moneyball. So what was what was that like seeing yourself portrayed by an actor in a movie? I feel like that would be a pretty surreal. Not good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I when they sent me that script to review, I kind of said, This is fiction. Like what do you want me to do? What do you want me to say? And I just kinda like, Yeah, who cares? If I had to do it over again. You know, I probably would have been more careful and kind of saying, like, guys, that's not how it happened. You know, I wasn't even GM. I was assistant GM. You know, Billy Bean was never in my office, and I recommended Paul D. Podesta to him. He didn't come and steal him from us. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it wouldn't have made as good a theater. It wouldn't have made as good a movie. Uh, So, you know, Moneyball as a book certainly draws attention to – the shift in the game from anecdotal decision-making to data-driven and informed decision-making. I feel like the Indians were one of the probably the three or four teams that were on the cutting edge of that. So to depict Cleveland as a big market team where, you know, Billy Bean comes in and stealthily, you know, steals away one of our bright young executives. By the way, the guy that replaced Paul B. Podesta, who's out of the game now working in football, was Chris Antonetti, who won executive of the year two years ago, and is one of the greatest executives in all of Major League Baseball. He was the, the GM or president of baseball operations in Cleveland. So we were deep in, in front office talent, which is something I take a lot of pride in.
2: Yeah, I, I know Ted and I, as Orioles fans, Owen is unfortunately a Red Sox fan, as you can see in the background. He's got like, I can see that. Uh, um, we've been watching kind of a complete rebuild and kind of a turn to the statistics. I know the Orioles – organization was very far behind on that and they've got guys in Brandon Hyde um, Michael Elias um, and kind of generate putting that statistical revolution here in Baltimore for the first time in a while would you say you were one of the kind of first guys to um, see the
1: power of statistics in baseball um I don't know if, again I never tend to look at things through an individual lens I think the people around me were kind of You know, forcing me to consider that there were better ways to frame and make decisions and that, you know, in the simplest of terms, why rely on one type of information, just subjective or objective analysis? Why not try to get all the best information? So have the best scouting, have the best character, makeup, personality, have the best medical information, but also have the best uh, analytics, and that area has exploded over the last 15 years to the point now where there's very little inefficiency to mine. You just have to do that to keep up. Uh, but there's very little opportunity to beat people in the pure analytics or objective analysis space now. So I think the competitive advantages now shift somewhere else, maybe in the way we think about coaching, uh, maybe in the way we think about utilization of the talent players. Uh, but um, those opportunities now are so much smaller. So, yeah, it was there was a period of time where we could beat larger market teams by operating more efficiently and effectively and really making more informed decisions. Uh, Theo Epstein, you know, closed that window when he went to Boston and kind of ran Boston like a small market club with big market resources. Since then, Andrew Friedman, Theo, Numerous others have done it masterfully in some of the biggest markets, which, which creates an enormous challenge for everybody else. Um, so
2: do you have any, would you say you have any like really um, sort of funny stories you can share about um, those kind of younger guys like Vlad Guerrero Jr., Bobashek, they, kind of char- they kind of look like characters. I'm not sure if that's how it is um, in real
1: life yeah i don't know that's funny like stories aren't coming to mind they i don't know if they're characters they're passionate about the game and their kids man like vladdy's not much older than you guys you know like he turned 20 last year he was 19 last year heading into the season so it's pretty remarkable to think about you know the expectations the pressures put on a guy at 18 years old to perform you know when he gets to the big leagues uh, I think it's part of the things that make them remarkable. All three of those guys are pretty incredible because two of their dads are Hall of Famers and the other guy's dad was a great major league player. I think that does help to kind of demystify the major league environment, um, much like I'm sure it does for Gavin Sheets. You know, like when you grow up around the game, you're a little more at ease and comfortable um, with, and maybe a little more able to handle the anxieties and pressures that, that undermine other guys and kind of derail careers
0: all right well i think that's really all we have for today all the questions we've had uh mark thank you for joining us
1: yeah
0: Um, i think that's all we've got we're gonna wrap it up uh thank you guys for listening
1: okay good to be